think. You just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. Unacceptable in all areas. Unacceptable coaching, unacceptable playing, unacceptable effort. Not what we're about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting if guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. We lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Certainly, like I said, coach our kids to, to do the right thing. And, uh, you know, play with poise, play with confidence, play with dignity, play with class. At the same time, we're not going to take anyone's shit either. We want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now, that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. Hey, hey, I don't like getting it. It's the only time we're ever getting excited about second. From now on, it's first, okay? All I want to do is fucking eat. I want you to eat. I want you to eat. I want you to want this shit. Do you want it? Do you want it? Show me. Bunch of them did it again. Welcome in to the latest episode of That SEC Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Vols on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? <laughs> hey, buddy. How the hell are you? Uh, doing good, Shane. Just got back from my week-long trip there in Denver. That's why we didn't have a show last week, so uh, apologies for the break there. But we're back in action, Shane. We got a new intro. Hopefully everyone enjoyed that new intro we worked up. <laughs> I wasn't uh, taking the, the full week off. I at least did that for the listeners. <laughs> I appreciate that. I heard it. I, I think it's fantastic, Mike. And I know there was a lot of people upset. Butch Jones was on there, and uh, I think he cleaned it up nice. <laughs> Well, speaking of cleaning up nice, Shane, before we go around the league, I wanted to hit your thoughts on two topics, starting with Steve Spurrier. He's going to be opening a restaurant down in Florida, and I just wanted to get your thoughts, Shane. What should Steve Spurrier, I think he's already got a name for it, but if you could name Steve Spurrier's restaurant, what would be your name? Oh, jeez. Uh, uh, it's got to be something fun and gun related, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. Fun and gun finger foods? (laughs) Yeah, or something with the visor, uh, you know. Let me think on that one for a second. Because I really want to come up with something good for old Stevie. I'm thinking quitters never win. (laughs) <laughs> so he's so he's not going to franchise in South Carolina is what you're saying, right? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh, oh, Steve, you know, good for him, man. I, he just keeps winning, and and um, you know, I just I just don't know. I mean, would you rather go to a Peyton Manning restaurant or a Steve Spurrier restaurant? Yeah, that's a tough one because from what I know about old Peyton, he likes to throw them back. So if it's a if it's strictly a bar, maybe a Peyton Manning bar, but yeah. if I'm picking restaurants, I think I'm gonna go with Steve Spurrier. You might he might be roaming around telling stories. You know, he's always good for a quote and I know we've <laughs> we've talked about it on this podcast, but we need more guys like Steve Spurrier in the SEC just having fun and lighting up the scoreboard and it was just it was always <laughs> uh Great to watch his teams play. And if you don't like the food, you get to throw the menu, you know, just like <laughs> slam it down. <laughs> All right, Shane, the last topic we have before we go around the league here, this is something interesting. This uh, came out from Steve Berkowitz. For anyone that doesn't know this guy, he works for USA Today. He kind of covers sports and business around uh, not only college football, but uh, I believe in the professional ranks as well. 
and his latest report on Monday morning, uh, the NCAA president, Mark Emmert, has apparently written the California legislator because that state is going forward with the name, image, and likeness. That's something we've hit on before in, in previous episodes. This is what a lot of people think is going to open the door to the return of the EA Sports video game um, along with uh, potentially paid advertisements for some of the nation's better prospects. And it looks like California is trying to make this legal in that state only. Uh, But it was not until the 2023 season this wouldn't even go into effect. But essentially what Mark Emmert, the NCAA president, has done is he's written them and asked them to kind of halt uh, the proceedings of that bill, what have you, Yeah. before it becomes law, because he wants the NCAA to kind of, you know, they have their working group going right now on this same topic. He wants the NCAA to have a chance to figure it out before states start doing it. But this, to me, just reads as, as kind of a lame attempt because the NCAA has had decades to figure this out. Mm-hmm. They're dragging their feet. I got to credit California for at least taking this step. And like I said, even if it does pass, we still got four years before it becomes a law. Uh, that should be more than enough time for the NCAA to figure this out, wouldn't you think? Yeah, and I think that's what they – I think they made that year for that purpose, to give them four years, you know, to figure – like you said, figure this out. Uh, I mean, it. we knew this was coming. It keeps coming up. It's It's kind of like – uh, I know you're out in Colorado and I don't want to compare the two, but it's a lot like marijuana, Mike, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there for a long time, you know, it was, it was never going to happen. And then all of a sudden it, well, this state starts doing it. That state starts doing it. And it just kept coming and eventually it's going to be countrywide. So I think this is the same kind of the same situation. It's just, we knew that this was coming. NCAA knew this was coming and that I don't know if the, they're trying to figure out to me, it feels like how, how can they still maintain certain profit, you know? And, and I don't think when you start paying these players that that's going to affect that, but there's going to be so many little boxes, so many little Pandora boxes that are going to be opened when you start paying athletes, man. Yeah. And the, the main one that comes to my main, my mind, Shane, if the next five-star quarterback signs with USC or UCLA, and cites this image and likeness ability, you know, again, I'm talking 2023, we're looking that far ahead, but if he signs with one of those schools or a Stanford or what have you because he can potentially get paid that way, yeah. he can't He can't do it at Alabama or Auburn or Georgia or Tennessee, uh, those states are going to change their laws quicker as, <laughs> as you can imagine. You know, Nick Saban is going to have the damn governor on the line saying we need to get this fixed immediately and i i think that uh, that may be the action that's needed to get some of these uh, states to to get get with the program essentially and it's, it's not the it's not the state's fault i shouldn't say that it's the nca they need to get it figured out and if they can't then the states it seems like are taking action and it's going to force the ncaa to do something in my opinion i totally agree you're gonna see some of these kids in space jam you know <laughs> they're gonna be all at usc and then you know landed film film production so uh uh i don't know it's it's a slippery slope and i i understand that you know they want to do this right they don't want to just roll it out but uh like you said this is something for over 20 years they've been talking about and they should already have fail safes and ways of presenting this so that it 
you know, it is managed properly. So, uh, I'm curious, I mean, because this thing, this thing's moving right along and, and they've kind of forced NCAA's hand. So, uh, I think we're, this is going to be the big topic this summer, man. All right, Shane, you ready to go around the league? Let's do it. Now let's go around the league. We haven't decided how we're going to play the guys, so and I wouldn't tell you if I did. So, you know, I don't mind you asking a question, but I don't need to answer it. I mean, I'll be whistling Rocky Top by the end of the week. All our players, I mean, it's just like, right? I mean, you just hear it over and over, and, you know, like every other, every third song, it'll roll through within the crowd noise that you play at practice, so you just uh, you get used to it. It's a catchy tune, right? I mean, this game's going to be a street fight. This game's going to be a street fight. I mean, some of you guys don't know who Kimbo Slice is. Hopefully you do. Um, and you go back to it, man, this isn't a sanctioned fight. This is a street fight. I mean, this is the SEC. So, man, it's time. It's time to put on the hard hat. Launch bail. Let's get to work. All right, Shane, biggest news. Let's jump to Athens. This was a stunner to me, Shane. This is basically the only thing I looked at Twitter while I was away on vacation just because it was such big news here. Georgia's leading returning receiver, Jeremiah Holloway, dismissed from the team, Shane. This was a stunner to me. Uh, this means that Georgia's top five returning targets are all gone from last season. A lot of those guys, underclassmen, Holloman, I guess you could count that as well. So uh, they're seriously lacking some senior players at that position. And apparently, you know, according to reports, he's got to mi- dismissed from the team because he hit a woman. He says uh, she was hitting him, you know, first, I guess, but you still you still can't can't hit a yeah. woman. And this actually happened essentially a year ago, and th- she just filed a police report this June. So that's the story, anyway. Uh, and if that's how it actually came about, I think you got to credit uh, Kirby Smart for dismissing Holloman here basically immediately, even though it's uh, potentially devastating to his receiving core heading into 2019. Dude, this is big. Um, you know, I, I mean, he is the leading returner. So you would think that this is going to have an effect. But, you know, Georgia's got plenty of talent. A lot of it's going to be raw, you know, but I think. I think they're going to be all right on that on that side, but I do want to credit Kirby because this was a, you know, honestly, let me ask you, Mike, if if you had a poll, and I don't want you to say names, but we got fourteen head coaches in the SEC. How many coaches in the SEC do you think would find a way to retain this kid on their team? Do you think all fourteen would have done it, or do you think they would have drug it out a little bit? I'm just curious because I I I think there's three or four that mm-hmm. would have found a loophole to keep this kid on the team. Yeah, I would probably even go a little bit higher. I'd probably say about half. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, not that I condone that. I think in these situations, I think what you always got to do, Now, I think every case is individual, so you, it's really not right, in my opinion, to look at one scenario and say, you know, this is what should be done every time. But anytime there's allegations like this, I like to see the player, you know, suspended immediately and then the team get to the bottom of it. And if it's true, then obviously dismiss right away. And it looks like that's what Georgia has done here. So that's why I want to give Kirby some credit here, despite how it could hurt his team. Yeah. Uh, but, of course, there's always there, – there are allegations out there sometimes when 
you know, unfortunately, false claims are made. So you don't want to lose someone that uh, did not do something wrong. But that is not the case here for Holloman. It sounds like from the reporting, he had admitted that he hit his, I think it was his ex-girlfriend. So, yeah, um, yeah, this is a blow, Shane, because he was going to be the unquestioned number one target there in Athens next season. Uh, I know we've kind of hammered home this point of them losing these receivers, but I didn't really think it was that big a deal because you got your, you know, a guy that was emerging as a number one SEC target, and now they don't even have that. Now they're going to be relying on, the Miami tr- uh, transfer Cager, I think his name is. That guy yeah. is six six foot five, and now they lost. They got two five star receivers coming in, in uh, George Pickens and Dominique Blaylock, I believe is the other guy's name. So they got talent, but I don't know. It's very hard for receivers as true freshmen to come in and be dominant, and they may be, have to ask one of those guys to do that now that Holloman's out the door. It's true, man. I mean, it's, there's going to be a strong. I think learning curve down there and you know of course granted we've talked up this offensive line we've talked up these running backs it seems like over and over and that's really what they're going to be relying on but to to play some of these teams that they got on this on the schedule I mean they're there's they're going to have to be two-dimensional so the nice thing is I don't think they're going to be required to do it immediately so hopefully after a few games we can start seeing some you know, emerging candidates and, uh, and, and, and see a lot of scripted plays, you know, when they come out, you know, uh, we know exactly where this guy's going to be, the routes they're going to run. So I, I think we'll see more of that, but again, they got so much talent down there. It's just a matter of time for these boys pick it up and you, I don't think we'll miss a beat. Yeah. And the only other thing about this topic that kind of, you know, it made me think, I wonder if there's a if there's room to move a running back like a James Cook to a receiver, maybe more of a slot receiver, which would not be his natural position. But if you've got you know four, five, six running backs you can trust, yeah, you don't have those receivers that you can trust. You may be forced to shift a running back. I mean, he's he'll still obviously play running back down the line, but. He may be needed to be more of a slot receiver or, hell, maybe even an outside receiver if they can't find any. Um, I, I think this this could force Georgia to get a little experimental this fall and just see what they got uh, at someone else because I, I, don't, I just don't know who's going to be that key target for Georgia next season now. But that's a good point, man. And, I mean, a lot of people take for granted, you know, a chemistry and not having it is, is huge. Of course, they're going to have all offseason here to work on that. And if these guys can just focus on the fundamentals of running a precise route, so, you know, I don't think Jake Fromm's going to have any problem finding them, you know? All right, Shane, sticking with the Bulldogs here. Uh, I'm not really sure why this came about, but I just thought this were interesting comments here from Tim Tebow, who's uh, still pursuing his uh, minor league baseball career there <laughs> with whatever team. I don't know. It's like the Mets <laughs> under league team or whatever the heck you call it. But, uh, he was asked about Georgia, about Florida, and kind of the rivalry there with Georgia and Alabama. I just thought these comments were pretty good. So uh, let's kick it to Tim Tebow, and then we'll discuss it. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really good competition. I think both of them have really good schedules, really tough schedules, I should say. Um, I think that'll play into it. Um, you know, I think Florida's added some depth. I think that'll give them a chance to be a little bit more competitive. I think, um, I think this needs to be Georgia's year. Um, I really do. I think, um, you know, just the way it's gone against Alabama the last couple of years, um, 
to not be able to get there again, it's not just um, it's not just that it hurts you in that year. It becomes a um, a big brother, little brother type thing where you got to eventually be able to get over that hurdle and get over that hump. And, and I think this is kind of that year. It's been a building process for Georgia. And if you looked a few years ago, you would say right now would be that time. So um, I think they were ahead of schedule and they did some incredible things and honestly probably should have won a national championship two years ago um, and really had it a, a, such a great chance to close out the SEC championship game last year and go to the playoff. Um, so I think this is, this is a big year, you know, I think um, probably anything less is going to be a little bit disappointing if, if you're a Georgia fan. All right, Shane. So <laughs> I thought this was pretty interesting here, particularly his little brother, big brother comments there when he's talking about obviously Georgia, you know, the little brother of Alabama at this point, based on the last couple seasons on the field. And he's been a part of this kind of situation, because if you recall, when he was at Florida, Urban Meyer, I mean, they were the dominant team in the SEC, and then it was Alabama that came and got them, and, of course, his final SEC game was a heartbreaking fashion, the big loss to Alabama in the SEC championship game. So he's kind of seen it from the other side. Are you buying a little bit into what Tim Tebow has to say of uh, Georgia heading into next season? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, talking about Florida, uh, you know, Tennessee and Florida in the the 90s, it always seemed like, Florida had the upper hand and you went into that game and, you know, former had that famous speech, you know, these boys put on their pants one leg at a time, just like we do, you know, Mm -hmm. but after you keep getting beat by somebody, you, you know, your, your mentality changes. You think, Oh, I hope we beat them, you know, not we're going to beat them. So yeah, I, I think that it could affect them. And, uh, this is, I mean, this is the year if they're going to, if they're going to, I think, become the dog that we think that they can be you know i i t-bell nailed it it's got to be this year man yeah i i mean i'm kind of thinking the same because if they don't you know there's a chance florida catches them or you know tennessee down the line or hell it could even be missouri or south carolina this year so if it's not this year if they don't take that step i hate to say it for, for georgia fans because i don't i don't really compare these two but the comparisons have been out there. Mark Rick and Kirby Smart. I mean, they're damn near identical records after first three seasons, and we all know what happened to Mark Rick. Yeah. <laughs> when it looked, it looked like he was building a dynasty down there in Georgia. Yeah. It just, it just never happened. Absolutely, you're almost to the top, man. You know, just keep going. And on a side note, how lo- how long is Tebow going to do this baseball thing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he reminds me of my brother. Uh, you know, John when he was. Taking them piano lessons, you know, I was like, John, what are you doing? You you and me both know you're not going to learn how to do this. Let's come back out here so we can play, you know. So (laughs) it's just I'm just wondering how long before Tebow. I know his agents like, you know, he's you know, he's 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 sowing some oats. But, you know, it's it's almost it's almost time to get him back in commentary, I think. Yeah, because, you know, say what you will about Tim Tebow if you don't like him as a player. I think he's outstanding as an analyst. I think he's one of the best. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, I'd like to have him back. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Baton Rouge. Go Tigers. Where we had some really interesting news come about late last week here. Uh, But uh, this came originally from the Baton Rouge Business Report. And what happened here, Shane? This is kind of a complicated story here, but there's a former LSU booster named John Paul Funes, and he has admitted to stealing 
over half a million dollars from a charity down there in Baton Rouge <laughs> called Our Lady of the Lake Foundation. I think this is a – I don't know much about it, but I know it's a – It's like a hospital. Right, yeah, from down in the Baton Rouge. And of that half a million, uh, $180,000 of that money went to someone in legal document, documents uh, titled Individual C. But it turns out that, that this Individual C who got the $180,000 is none other than James Alexander, who is the father of former LSU starting offensive lineman Vidal Alexander. And this is a sticky situation here, Shane, because... <laughs> He got this money, the father, who's from Atlanta, who's got nothing to do with this uh, Our Lady of the Lake Foundation. You know, why in the why is he getting all this money? I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. It's because mm-hmm. his son's playing for LSU, and this was during the Les Miles era, so it's not even under Coach O's tenure. But the NCAA, which is now investigating this situation, uh, I mean, they've been known to essentially make people pay for what the mistakes of the past. So... Uh, just as things are getting going in here in LSU, I don't know how serious this is at this point, but uh, this is certainly going to be a situation to monitor moving forward. Well, first of all, Mike, somebody's going to hell for this. I mean, stealing money from a <laughs> hospital. I mean, that is a low blow. Uh, I could understand if it was some rich booster and he's, you know, you know, just bundling money out mm-hmm. of his own pocket or something, but stealing from the from a hospital to to give to athletes that's just that's just low and and i tell you man if you would have told me this story a year ago i'd say man somebody's going to get in some serious trouble here but with what i saw happen with the basketball coach down there <laughs> it's just like i i don't think anybody's going to get in trouble you know i think some some other boosters will come in they'll they'll double the amount for that that organization and then you know they'll get some little slap on the wrist i just i really don't see anything coming out because the the articles i'm reading is now they're talking about well it was after they you know were there that this what this had nothing to do while they were on campus uh i think the lineman maybe while he was on campus but uh, the quarterback came up. That was after, right? Yeah, that that was after his career. But uh, still, I don't even know if I don't know if it's. Uh, I wouldn't say it's illegal to give those those guys money, but you got to figure that that was probably a deal maybe put in place while he was a player. I mean, I, I'm just speculating on that, but that's kind of what it sounds like to me. <laughs> and that's a good point, though. Will Wade. I mean, I, it looked like he was guilty as can be, and and hell, I, his team. Won the league <laughs> league title and they still haven't taken it from him. So uh, no, I know. exactly. Coach O's pissed though. I know he is. He All right, one final it. one final update here on LSU. Shane Cole Smith, the team's backup center down there in Baton Rouge, he has entered the transfer portal, and he has not left yet. So he could return, but there's this is an important note I wanted to make because Mississippi State fans should remember this name, Cole Smith from Mississippi. His father played at Mississippi State, if I'm not mistaken, and this was a big to-do when he committed to LSU because the Mississippi State staff under Dan Mullen, you know, they all went uh, to Gainesville eventually to Florida, but they did not really actively recruit this guy, and he committed to LSU and eventually obviously signed with LSU, but he may be having uh, second thoughts and 
Uh, I'm not saying he's going to you know, rejoin Joe Moorhead's program here, but uh, I would imagine that phone call is being made at this, at this point. You know Joe's down there right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, there's a there's potential for Joe Moorhead to make up where Dan Mullen's staff messed up, and uh, if you're hurting LSU while you're doing it, that's that's just another bonus. Oh, for sure. All right, Shane, let's jump to Rocky Top, where we got a little bit of bad news, good news here, but uh, star receiver Juwan Jennings had a knee scoped. Last week, I believe it was, uh, it was first reported by Trey Wallace of Fox Sports Knoxville. But uh, my God, Shane, I mean, everybody's favorite uh, of all here, Juwan Jennings, you know, they call him the dog for a reason, but he just can't seem to stay healthy. Now, this is not expected to really keep him out of anything, and they're saying he's going to be fine for fall camp. But uh, any concern here with Juwan Jennings having yet another injury heading into a season? Yeah, because... Jawan wasn't Jawan when he got hurt. Was it Georgia Tech game? Right, you know, the opener. Yeah, I mean he he he, but he was off. Wasn't he hurt in the off season on that year too? I believe so. And then obviously last year, I mean, I think he was hurt for much of that. And I mean, he still gutted it out. And, he, and you know, he's had his issues in the past. But um, you know, some players just their bodies just not meant to play football. And I'm not saying he's one of them because he could still have a hell of a year here, but. You know, well, it just seems like every offseason he's getting hurt. And if you're if you're a fan of Juwan, which I am, I am a huge fan of Juwan, and you know he just he plays violently, and you know that's not not a good thing to do when you're a receiver, you know, on your body. And and I think you know that's probably what gets him into a lot of these situations. And I don't know exactly how he got this injury, but he is he's tough as nails, and and I think he'll be back. But I think it's going to hurt. You know, because we're talking a, a lower leg injury here. You know, this is you know going to affect conditioning and and mm-hmm. you know even if you do get it right, you know you're not going to be game ready by you know. I mean, doctors are amazing. Don't get me wrong, but unless this thing's going to be healed up in you know a month, I, I don't see him being ready when the season opens. So that really sucks because I was I was expecting I was hoping for a big year from him. I can see cousin Shane now. He's just saying. Keep him on the sideline till Florida. That's it. Save it for Florida, buddy. (laughs) All right, that's the bad news for the Vols, Shane, but uh, I wanted to lift your spirits here because Tennessee's picked up a pair of commits here in the last couple days. Uh, Two four-stars, two in-state targets here. Cooper Mays, so Jeremy Pruitt's kind of uh, right in the wrongs of uh, the Butch Jones administration there. Cade Mays obviously plays for Georgia now, but his little brother – at least currently, he's committed to the Vols. And here on Monday, right before we started recording here, Keyshawn Lawrence, the number one defensive back, and I believe he's number one uh, overall prospect from the state of Tennessee, uh, committed to Tennessee over Miami. So I know on a previous podcast, Shane, you were kind of sweating the, the <laughs> recruiting of the Tennessee Vols. Uh, thoughts on uh, getting these two guys? Oh, huge, man. I, I'm, I'm so excited May's coming. And not so much just for Mays, but honestly, for that that high school. If you're not familiar with this school, they, I mean, this is a talent-rich environment. And, you know, repairing that bridge was important because it's local. There's going to be future athletes coming out of, is it Knox Catholic, I believe? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, so, cool. yeah, so, I mean, they're going to have more studs coming out. They do have another elite prospect there, Tyler Barron, who, it's interesting, so now he's a, 
high school teammate of Cooper Mays. But last season, Shane, he was at Ensworth here in Nashville, and he was high school teammate with uh, Keyshawn Lawrence, the guy that just committed to Tennessee. So, oh. uh, so he's got uh, essentially future teammates there of Tennessee. If he were to commit to Tennessee, he's going to be playing with uh, guys he knows and trusts uh, very well there. Nat, Knox Catholic to Tennessee, they might be rebuilding that pipeline, like you said, and. Um, you know, obviously the last staff had their issues there, apparently. So uh, this is big for Jeremy Pruitt, and it could be just the start of uh, a lot of in-state prospects here coming in uh, and signing up to play for the Vols. You know, this other kid, fantastic video. You know, I don't know if you've seen his commitment video, <laughs> mm-hmm. but when he had that it, Miami shirt. It was impressive. Huh? It was impressive, for sure. And I saw that Miami shirt, but then I saw that power T underneath. I knew exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> so uh, I'm excited, dude, because usually these commitment videos don't work out. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Shane, let's jump to Fayetteville. Woo pig! Where we got a little bit more recruiting news, but this one also a little goes a little bit deeper. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on this. But uh, obviously, this happened a little while back, but we haven't recorded since then. But Chandler Morris, Elite 11 quarterback from Texas, committed to Arkansas. He's going to be a Razorback. And, of course, everyone knows by now this is the son of Chad Morris. So it looks like they were hunting with some bullets this time around, Shane. And, uh, I, but I don't know. What are your thoughts on this? Because um, I've never seen this kid play, so I'm not, I'm not judging him, and I'm not saying anything negative about him. I mean, hell, look at his stats, Shane. He threw for over 4,000 yards. 46 touchdowns, only six interceptions. He added another 20 scores on the ground. So obviously he's a he's a hell of a player. You don't just get invited to lead 11 because of who your dad is. Right. But I'm going to ask you this, Shane, because obviously Chad Morris had such a rough debut there in Arkansas. Uh, I don't know if you factor that into a situation like this, but I've just never been a big fan of these father-son coach quarterback uh, tandems in college because it just seems like almost like a no-win situation unless this guy comes in and he's just he's just awesome and he's the you know if there's a question on who should play you know the fans it seems like they they hold it against uh, the coach's son if he doesn't you know become an all-star well I think it's I think it's bigger than that Mark I, I'm not a fan of it either because you're creating some uh some some difficult situations that may come up for, for starters. Okay. Let's say Arkansas is going after another quarterback next year. Well, this recruit is going to be told by everybody else that, well, you're not going to get to play there. Cause his, you know, it's, it's his dad's coaching. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So I think you're going to hurt future recruits. I think what if he gets there and he's not good, you know, like you said, then the fans revolt They're They're just saying, well, you know, we put all the stock. Now you're not getting these crudes in. And then mm-hmm. what What if he, I don't know. I just, what if Morse isn't there? You know, I this kid's committing for four, maybe even five years. We, you know, Morse can't, he, we can't guarantee he's going to be in Arkansas in five years. So does he transfer? What, what, what happens if his son enters the transfer portal? <laughs> <laughs> that could also happen. I, mean, I just, <laughs> I would never want to. I would never. I wouldn't want to work with my dad. I wouldn't want to play for my dad. You know, one mm-hmm. year I played for my my grandfather, and I swear he ran my ass every day. You know, every time I messed <laughs> up, I was doing laps, and I, 
I, it was miserable. I never want him to be my coach. I want him to watch the games, not coach the games. So uh, this, I don't know. It just seems like an, a lot of pressure on both parties here. Now, certainly, I hope you know this works out. Maybe this will be one where you know we we'll always point towards. You know, the Razorbacks came back because of this father-son duo. That's certainly, I mean, he's obviously coach's son. He knows football. Hell, I mean, he stayed in Texas because uh, he's leading a team. I believe they won the state championship last year. The The high school's done it three years in a row, if I'm not mistaken. And and actually, Shane, their current quarterback, he's the backup, Stephen Jones, the, the grandson of Jerry Jones, was the quarterback at this high school before Chandler Moore. So, uh, Arkansas has got a little pipeline here to one of the best high schools in Texas. So, you know, I'm hoping this works out, but I don't know. I just, these situations just always seem a little, I don't know. It just seemed like ripe for disaster. How many teams are winning state in Texas? You ever notice that? It just seems like <laughs> every quarterback that ever goes out of Texas, just one state, you know? Well, I think they got like 18 divisions or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right, speaking of Texas, Shane, let's jump on down to College Station. Gigamaggies. Where Jimbo Fisher, he's on his uh, media speaking tour, you know, like all these coaches do. And uh, he had a little, a little spiel here. He was asked all kinds of questions. But uh, I thought the only one that was particularly noteworthy was just on the progress of his Texas A&M program. And when he was asked about that, he, he really had a lot of good things to say about his freshman class, which was, I believe, the number three recruiting class in the nation and uh, I thought Aggie fans would appreciate these comments. Well, I think we are. I think we had a tremendous recruiting class. We'll wait. Again, we haven't even got all those, fresh, those freshmen just now got on campus, and we haven't even been able to work with them ourselves as a coaching staff. So, I mean, we're still in the infant stages of putting things in place, but I like where we're at. I love the attitude. Every report I'm getting back on this freshman class has been outstanding, and not just – that all these guys are strength and conditioning. Said, listen, they all we didn't miss on anybody. They all can play. They said what they love is their work ethic and demeanor, and I've been very proud of that because that's that's what it's got to take. I mean, everybody's got good players, and but their attitude and demeanor have been very good. All right, Shane. So of course, all, everyone thinks their freshmen are awesome, and you know, hopefully they are. But they, it never quite turns out that way. But Jimbo Fisher's singing the praises of a lot of these elite recruits, and if these guys are really buying in and. You know, the Aggies have a ton of momentum right now building under Jimbo Fisher. And uh, this, I think this is a, I mean, this is what you want to hear. Yeah, no, you do. But, you know, Texas A&M's at that point, too. You don't want to rely on too many freshmen, you know. Mm -hmm. I, I think I think it's going to help. There'll be a few spots that we may see some early contributors. Where it's really going to help, though, is, you know, in practice, when these younger kids are pushing these older guys, you know, I, I think, you know, that the elevation of competition just in your practice will be great. So, um, but I, I'm excited. I, I, but you listen to every coach right now. They're, they're all excited about their freshmen coming in. So, uh, <laughs> but I would, I'd be really excited if I, if Tennessee had the third best, you know, class, we'd be talking them up too, so. All right, Shane, let's jump to Auburn. War damn eagle. Where Gus Malzahn, much like Jimbo Fisher, on the, one of these media speaking tours here, and Gus, it's hard to get any info out of him, but he did make reference to these quarterbacks, Shane. He's, he's really hyping these guys up. He continues to do so, and of course, we're talking about true freshman Bo Nix, redshirt freshman Joey Gatewood, who we saw a little bit last season, mostly in that bowl game. The bowl game massacre, the Music City Bowl. <laughs> uh, but let's cut to uh, Gus Malzahn and his comments on his QBs. Well, I mean, 
it's an exciting time at Auburn right now. You know, Bruce took his team to the Final Four. It was an unbelievable ride. And now we're in the College World Series. And what Butch has done is just really unbelievable. So, hey, well, we're looking forward to football season. And, you know, the expectations are always high at Auburn. And, uh, and I like that. And uh, really excited about our team. Uh, I know our team, just watching our basketball team and our baseball team, just gives them, you know, even that much more motivation. So uh, we're real, real proud of, uh, you know, both groups. So last uh, we heard from you, obviously, I got to ask the quarterback situation. Probably hasn't changed much yeah. since last ambush for us since right. you announced it. The first one. Sure. Tell me a little bit about how Yeah, Joey and Bo uh, are two guys. Uh, one of those guys will be our starter in our first game against Oregon. Um, I think we're in very good hands at that position for a long time to come. Um, you know, both of them are, are very talented. Uh, they're both very hungry. And right now in the summer, you know, obviously we can't work with them with a the football and all that, but uh, they're working on their leadership skills as far as their team goes and everything goes with that but uh, like I said I think we're in good hands at that position for a long time to come I just thought it was pretty clever the reporter asked you know how how impressive the basketball team was in the championships yeah. and then how how impressive the baseball team is in the championship series and then it's like so let's are we gonna have a quarterback figured out here you know it's <laughs> like the <laughs> It's called the what they call it the Auburn what ambush. It, it felt like an ambush, Mike. You know. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. Well, you know that's a good point. We can just go with that because I did want to ask you about this shame because on Jock's radio here on Monday, Paul Feinbaum was a guest on the roundtable. You know he does his weekly appearance there on WJOX there, and he he was asked, you know, if Gus Malzahn goes seven and five again. What are the chances he returns? He says no chance. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of interesting you make that note there, Shane, because he is talking, you know, Auburn just went to the Final Four. Their baseball team just went to the World Series. I mean, it seems like they're kicking ass in all these sports. And we all know that in the SEC, it's football that matters the most, and that's yep. what the fans really care about, and that's what keeps fans interested. And um, if their football team's struggling – and the rest of the damn sports teams are, are kicking ass. Um, I mean, fans are going to get upset over that. Absolutely, man, because they're used to winning all year long now. Basketball winning, you know, basketball's over. We get to baseball, baseball winning. And then now football's about to crank up and you go seven and five. Yeah, Gus is on a, on a hot seat, man. But do you think with all those Auburn teams winning, it's got the – fans and the media and everything not really focusing on Gus Malzahn in a in you know an off season that there's some heat do you think that helps him at all no I think it's the opposite Mike I think because <laughs> I mean just think about it if you're if you're close to to hanging banners in other sports and you're mm-hmm. and you're watching this and you're soaking it up and you're enjoying it all year long and then it comes to fall and you're a laughing stock and you're losing to teams like Tennessee, you know what I'm saying? Then mm-hmm. I, I think, I think, yeah, the the fans are already kind of uh, most of them are out. You know, I think they're excited about Bo. I think they're excited about this quarterback situation. I, I think you know a lot of them are are uh, you know they're 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 soaking up the the defense, you know, and that they're going to be good and 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 you know everybody's. Everybody's fluffing up everybody right now. But yeah. when it comes to that season opener, man, if they drop that season opener, dude, 
I'm telling you what, they're going to burn that damn place down. Well, let me ask you about that, Shane, because what Paul Feinbaum said, like I just like I noted there, he, th- he believes if they lose five games, Gus Malzahn's gone no matter what. And I would think that you probably agree with that. Am I right? Oh, yeah. So they're playing. I'm just going to run off these six games, and you let me know how many you think they can win. The opener there at Oregon on a neutral field, at Texas A&M, at Florida, at LSU, and then on the back end, Georgia at home, Alabama at home. I mean, he he's basically going to have to split those just to yeah. just to survive. And uh, it doesn't sound like you think he can do that. No, I know. I because I've I've said it on on this show, you know, that I think that he loses the season opener, and mm-hmm. I think the wheels start to come off. I think, you know, the fact that they don't have the you know, this is what drives me nuts with, with the assistant coaches and stuff. And, and, you know, they really put him behind the eight ball here. And, and then you got this schedule that's coming up, brutal schedule. You got two unproven quarterbacks and I just, I just don't think, I just, I don't know, man. I I think he, he is in trouble. I think he's out, man. In their first two road games, like I said, at Texas A&M, at Florida, uh, there's not many tougher environments you could ask a first-year starting quarterback to to go into College <laughs> Station, hundred thousand plus Florida. You know, I th- I b- believe they're about eighty something high eighties, but it's it's one of the loudest venues in the nation. So yeah, good luck with that. Yeah, it's it's gonna, now there's but again, you even you went on record saying that you thought they were going to surprise people. So you know mm-hmm. they do they do got talent. They do have talent, and it's just the parts that they don't or they're unproven is the most crucial part of the team. And, and like I said, I think the lack of coaching assistant that had is going to show now you got everything on Gus's shoulders and you know, he's going to be controlling the offense. He, he, how can you focus so a hundred percent on the offense and still have enough energy? And I mean, there's not enough hours in the day, man, to, to be a head coach, you're an offensive coordinator is what you are. If, mm-hmm. if that's the range you're taking. So, um, I, I think, you know, if they don't come out strong to start the season, I think, I think Auburn's in some serious trouble. All right, Shane, let's jump down to Oxford. We're speaking of, uh, a team that's all hot on the recruiting trail, the rebels, Shane. I mean, they've picked up, I think about eight or nine guys now in the month of June and the latest one is one of the biggest ones because they landed a commitment from Elite 11 quarterback Robbie Ashford. So this guy is going to be competing down in Texas to be, you know, Elite 11 MVP here in a couple days. And this is uh, Hoover High School, Shane, the two-a-days school where Jeremy Pruitt and all them came from. That's right. This is the starting quarterback of Hoover High, and he picked Ole Miss over – uh, teams like Auburn and Florida, Texas A&M, Vanderbilt, Penn State, Oregon. I mean, this is a big-time get. This is a top 250 p- prospect here for Ole Miss. And he's also going to play baseball, so that may factor a little bit into it where I'd, I have no idea if the other schools offered him to play baseball or not, but I believe Ole Miss has got a really good baseball team, so he's got an opportunity to play both sides of the ball here in Oxford. But uh, this is a hell of a gift for Matt Luke and, and Rich Rodriguez down in uh, Oxford. 
Oh, this is big. I read something. Coach Luke, uh, the, this kid was talking. He says when he saw Coach Luke after committing, that he that he hugged him for over a minute. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> things just, are getting awkward. <laughs> yeah. Then he talks about, uh, you know, Rich. He's he's like, you know, he's he is a he's a great recruiter. You know, he told me that. What did he say? Uh, that there was other kids that were wanting to come in. But we didn't want them. We wanted you. You know, <laughs> <I was like>, mm-hmm. <laughs> you just got sold. But good for old Miss, man. It seems like whatever they're doing down there is working, and they're starting to buy in. So I'm, I, you know, I was a little down on old Miss, old Miss coming into this season. Uh, but I'm, I'm really liking what I'm hearing down there. I love opposite of Auburn. I love this staff. I just think that they're like different in their own little ways, but it's mm-hmm. working. So, yeah, definitely. So I think that when you specifically talking about, you know, the progress since they've hired these coordinators and the recruiting, uh, the arrows definitely pointing up in Ole Miss, but if the team's as bad as I think they're going to be, I mean, that'll, that'll go de- go down quickly, <laughs> but you know, for rebel fans, I, I hope I'm wrong there. I think they'll surprise some people. All right, Shane, let's jump to Columbia, Missouri. M-I-Z! Where we had some interesting comments here from Jim Sturick, the AD. Uh, I'm going to play this clip here, and uh, he's speaking on a local radio station. I believe it's uh, KTGR-FM there in Columbia. Asked about the status of the the bull ban appeal that uh, Missouri is going to the NCAA, obviously, with the one-year bowl ban. So here's Jim Sturick, the AD, on where that currently stands. So uh, we have submitted the appeal, and and your listeners, I think, are probably up to date of where that process is, but I'll, as far as what has happened previously. So I won't go into to much detail there other than we really think we have a, a strong case for um, overturning uh, the majority of the decisions that that they made, and and I think uh, people can rest assured there's a people a lot smarter than me that have worked on this case and and really presented an appeal that that's strong and and compelling, and we'll be doing an in-person hearing. Um, we're expecting somewhere around the middle of middle of July, and 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 then hear something hopefully by um, before football starts or, or shortly thereafter. All right, Shane. So my question to you now: we've hit, we've asked this a number of times, but we both think there's an outstanding chance. I mean, Missouri's looking at a potentially, you know, an eight and zero or seven and one start. I mean, they have the easiest schedule maybe in the SEC to start. Any rush to this to this bowl ban appeal? Because if it gets denied, I know he sounds optimistic here, but if it gets denied, I don't know if these these kids have much to play for. Yeah. But, again, I think the timing's perfect because I think anybody that is making these decisions, these bigger decisions, are focused on California right now. Mm-hmm. You know, this is what they're dealing with, with the money. The, the, I think this is a perfect time because when, that, when this comes in, I think they say, you know what, we, we look bad right now. Let's look good. I think – NCAA just shooting this down after everything that's going on in California is just going to look worse. You know, I think this is a PR thing that they can turn around and say, Hey, look, we, you know, we're, we're people too. And, and, you know, we, we 
ju- we rush to judgment and you know we'll reverse it. I, I really do think that this the timing is perfect for Missouri. Now, if a lot of people don't seem to get this because you know Phil Steele, he came out and he projected Missouri to an upper echelon bowl, and I just saw his tweet getting destroyed because it doesn't seem like anyone on Twitter understands this, but it's my understanding that as long as this process is in appeals, Missouri can go to a bowl game. They can go to the SEC championship as long as this is being appealed. <laughs> so I let that appeal ride, baby. Cause I, I don't think they're going to get it. I don't think they're going to get it overturned. It just, I just have no faith in the NCA to do anything. So you don't think so. I, I just, you know, with the whole transfer, uh, what's what's the tight ends kit uh, that got reversed? Uh, he Luke tried, Ford. Yeah, yeah. So I mean that that was a black eye when it came mm-hmm. out, and then, like I said, I just think this whole paying the athletes now it just looks like the NCAA is against the athletes when they say, you know, no, we can't do this, and then you got a little situation, and I know it's a big situation for Missouri, but it's little in comparison to what's going on out there. I just think the opportunity is perfect, and that they need some positive PR, and and just to show that they're humans too. Like I said, I just, I don't know. I think that it does get reversed, and I think it should. I really do. Well, what should happen and what does happen seems to be <laughs> I mean, two different things with the NCAA. I mean, we're still waiting to hear about Aubrey Solomon and D'Angelo Gibbs. That's true. And those guys left about the same time Justin Fields left Georgia, and that was – I mean, he got cleared how many months ago? I mean, yeah. I just have – I have no idea what in the hell the NCAA is doing here. I don't either. I don't either. All right, Shane, final update I got here. Vanderbilt. Take it down. This is a, a good addition, but they're, they're going to have to wait a year to get him. But uh, former Florida defense lineman Malik Langham, who was a freshman last year with the Gators, he has announced he's transferring to Vanderbilt. And this is a big pickup here for Derek Mason and them because Langham signed with Florida over Alabama and Auburn, I believe. And I believe he's an Alabama native. Mm-hmm. Um so, like I said, he's probably he's going to have to sit out unless he gets a waiver, which we just, <laughs> just went over. We don't know how often those get handed out, but um, I think this is a hell of a pickup. I mean, he I believe he was a top 200 prospect, if not a top 100 prospect, only a year ago. So, a uh, really nice pickup here for Derek Mason's crew. Well, I, I did read up a little bit on this guy, and mm-hmm. I, I don't think he was that high. I think he was like 350, somewhere around there. But still, he's a hell of an athlete. And – one of the things that I saw that I, that was interesting is it mentioned that, you know, he has the framework that he could grow in to an offensive tackle. So mm. I was just wondering, you know, cause Florida's thin man on offense. I wonder, I wouldn't be surprised if Mullen came to him and said, Hey, listen, we, we'd really like to try you on this side of the ball, you know, and maybe this, I'm, and I'm, I'm just reading the tea leaves. I'm not, saying this mm-hmm. is what happened, but it wouldn't surprise me if if we found out that Dan tried to flip him to offense, you know, to get some depth over there, and he says, no, I'm, you know. And, there's, and then Langham flipped to Vanderbilt. <laughs> then he flipped to Vanderbilt because, you know, he did go up there several times. So, I, I mean, Vanderbilt was kind of high in, in, you know, somebody who's looking as far as interest, but uh, it makes sense, you know. I mean, go over there and – I mean – I want to play defense, coach. Well, yeah, I know you want to, but you're not going to start here, but you can on offense. 
no, I'm going to Vandy. I mean, something like that would make sense. And particularly, you, you want to play for a defensive-minded coach if you're going to be sticking on defense. And obviously, Derek Mason, you know, in his short time at Vanderbilt, he's proven he can get a number of guys uh, drafted in the NFL. Oh, yeah. All right, Shane, so that's all I got this week. You got anything before we jump off here? No, I think that's it. Still trying to think of names for Steve Spurrier's restaurant. You know? <laughs> What's his wife's name? I can't, He always talks about her, and I forgot her name. Jerry. Jerry. Oh, that's not going to work. Yeah. No, I don't know. I, I I just don't I just don't know what he's going to serve. You know, did, did is there a menu out or anything? Um, not that I've seen. No, but I imagine uh, it's going to come out uh, pretty pretty fast and in large portions. I would imagine. I I really hope that there's some stuff on there on the menu that makes fun of Tennessee. You know, I just <laughs> I I just hope that it's there. He's so going to be poking fun of Georgia, Tennessee, Florida yeah. State. I mean, he's going to get them all. Clemson. Absolutely. I'm 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 in. I'm in. I'm going to check it out. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Chad. Thanks for joining me. As always, thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Uh, We'll catch you on the next one. Oh, Mike. Uh Uh-huh. We do have some reviews, man. Been a while. We're going to start picking up our shows, you know, and uh, Mike, you know, he went out west, discovered the meaning of life, and uh, now we're back (laughs) on the horse, you know, so... We did get a lot of ghost reviews, but there were a few that, that took an extra step and uh, left us some uh, some other reviews. <laughs> and some of these are good. So uh, let me read these off real quick. Um, let's go back. Uh, this one here comes from Will in the Swamp. Did, it, did I read this one? You know, as a Gator fan, so I'm going to read it again because we don't get them much. Appreciate you guys. Five star. Hey guys, I just wanted to thank you for all the work you put into your show and make it entertaining, but also very informational um, with a neutral tone regarding the SEC. Yeah, we have read this one, but I'm going to, I'm going to continue anyway, Mike. I found this show at the end of the last season after I became more diehard college football fan. As the season was coming to an end, I was looking for podcasts to hold me over and keep me informed. This is the best SEC package podcast, and I look forward to following you guys through the 2019 season. Thank you again for your hard work. Go Gators. Will, I liked it so much, I read it twice, brother. <laughs> hey, if we just read all our reviews twice, it's going to sound like we get uh, we have a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm just going to start writing them. I'm just going to start writing, texting myself. Uh, this one here, Balls, Balls fan in San Diego. Hello. Uh, I wonder, let me ask you, Mike. Oh, wait, oh, I'm reading. Okay, never mind. Love the part. Okay, real quick, Mike. NCAA, if this thing doesn't work, can they still, I mean, is there some, going to be something where, like, they can't watch the games or anything like that, you know? Um, no, I don't think, I don't think it'll go that far. Because, okay. no, I mean, at the end of the day, the school's basically are the NCAA so they're not gonna they're not gonna hurt themselves quite like that that's that's just why this whole Mark Emmert thing is is even more stupid you know okay all right I was just curious like if they had some pool and they said you know brought brought back the blackout you know if you live in California you can't watch these games or something (laughs) but anyway uh but you can listen to this podcast and this man does balls fan in San Diego love this podcast 
five star. I downloaded iTunes just to give you guys a five star heart. I love the show and listen to every episode to stay tuned and stay up to date on SEC news, which you guys cover so well. Thank you. Thanks. And go Vols. Well, I appreciate you Vols fans in San Diego. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, we really appreciate all our uh, ratings and reviews. It really helps us out. So Mike, I got two uh-huh. more. Oh shit. Okay, yeah. keep going. <laughs> Dude, I'm telling you, man. We get more reviews when we don't have podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this one came from UGA, 1983. Great show. Five star. Didn't know Tennessee fans could be so knowledgeable about the football. LOL. Go dogs. Well, I appreciate you, UGA, 1983. And last one, Mike. Uh, big dog in New England. The very best. Five star. You guys rock. Helmets and shoulder pads above the rest. Almost want to send Cousin Shane $100 to always bet on the dog's opponent. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I can't wait to to bring my $100 lock of the week. I'm already doing it, man. It's uh, going to be bet against Auburn week one. Okay? I'm I'm already putting it out there. All right. So you heard it here first. Auburn's guaranteed to win by about four touchdowns. Week zero. Florida's going to kill Miami. All right. That's it. That's all I'm giving away right now. <laughs> I'm just so pumped up for football, Mike. I feel you. Uh, we're, what are we at? Around 60 days to the college football season. Week zero and 67, I believe it will be for week one. So uh, we'll, we'll try to get you through. Hold you over till then. Uh, But until that point, Shane, thanks for joining me. As always, thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And uh, we really appreciate it. Rating and reviews, those always help. Follow us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter. We're on all all of it. Just Reddit. We've got even a Reddit page. Any any and all support, we really appreciate. Absolutely. Good talking to you again, Mike. See you guys. Go Balls. George's leading receipt. One second. Neighbors, they think it's 4th of July all of a sudden. I mean, what is today? Uh, June 24th. I mean, come on. Is it time for fireworks? I don't think so. (laughs) What are we celebrating here? It's a Monday. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I think they're done. Sorry about that.